Anybody else happy to be back Sunday mornings in our, in our home here? We have been meeting here. Yeah, this is great. So thankful to Calvary Plantation for the blessing they were to us for months on end, allowing us to meet in their space, but it's great to be back here. For those of you that are new, maybe a friend invited you, and you're like, what exactly is happening? This is our grand reopening. We planted almost about six, a little over six years ago here at Western High School. We had over a year where we were not able to be here, more than a, a vision to have a church service. Our vision is to not just have church, but be the church. And so even this week, as before we ever met back as a macro church gathering, we've already been being the hands and feet of Jesus to Western High School. Like we already had a teacher breakfast that we sponsored for all of their educators where they're like, no one does stuff like this in this way. Who are you guys? We're the church. Nice to meet you. We've already had service projects. They were like, man, we don't know what we're going to do. So Greenhouse, I am so excited at what Jesus is doing as we get to launch back at Western and launch out from Western to make disciples all over the planet in Jesus' name. Amen? Stand your feet with me. We're going to read and honor God's word together. If you're watching online, you are welcome to do the same. In the midst of all the newness, we are in a brand new series called Live Green. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, live green. Turn to your neighbor to say it like you mean it. Say, live green. Live green. If you've ever wondered why in the world are we called the greenhouse, what an interesting name. Is it environmentally friendly? Is this a medicinal marijuana dispensary? What exactly are we doing? True, I get that question a lot, actually. We're going to break down the discipleship essentials. The discipleship essentials. Jesus said in Matthew 28, it's, it's sort of the verse that a lot of this hinges off of. He said to go, therefore, and make there it is, disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. We exist here at the greenhouse to help ordinary people become passionate followers of Jesus or to become disciples. And I want to spend the next few months unpacking what exactly do we mean by this idea of being and making disciples because if you did not know, we are not particularly good at it in our North American context. As a matter of fact, when, when polled, Christians overwhelmingly uh, share to the tune of 85 plus percent that while Jesus clearly articulated his vision for his church, for his people to go and make disciples, 85 plus percent of Christians when polled say they've never even made one. Maybe you're here and you're like, guilty. Snap, Pastor John. I thought you were going to be my friend. I'm going to be your friend. But we've got to acknowledge where we're at if we want to get to where we want to go. Do, do we not, do Christians just not care in North America? Do we, do we just like, ah, Jesus, I'm going to do my own way? Or, or is there something that's holding us back? Well, we know that in the same study, Barna said, well, this is, this is a bit alarming. This is a bit curious. In the same study, when they asked Christians who said they had never really made a disciple, less than 25% said they had ever actually been discipled by anybody. See, it's this vicious cycle where we don't know what we don't know, and we can't do what we have not experienced. Alan Hirsch said, to fail in discipleship and disciple-making is therefore to fail in the primary mission or the sentness of the church. We have all but lost the art of disciple-making in the contemporary Western church. And my hope and our hope and our prayer is through this series, we can demystify and change that. You're like, Pastor John, how long are you going to have me standing right now? I don't need any more exercise, and it's mildly warm in here, and I'm starting to sweat. I feel you. Give me a second. I'm about to read the Bible, and then I'll let you sit the whole time. I just want you to commiserate with me a little bit, because I'm going to be standing up here for a while, all right? You're like, what is a disciple, and what does it mean to make 
disciples. Okay, if Jesus, if that was his core crux, his mission before he took off, and it's why we exist at the greenhouse, what is a disciple and what does it mean to make disciples? I'm glad I asked you to ask me that question. Let's look to Jesus. If you got a Bible, flip open to Matthew 22. And if you don't, Sky Bible is up on the screen for your viewing enjoyment. If you're ready, say preach, preacher. I'm a talk bad guy, so you can yell at me, you can say amen, hallelujah, preach it, white boy. I don't care what you say, just say something and we're going to have a better time, all right? That was Pastor Robert. That was the only one, all right? Thank you, Stephen, Charles. That's what I'm talking about. All right, Matthew 22, we'll start in verse 34. Here we go. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, or like the Sajahu, the Sadducees, they were one religious group of elitists. He, he silenced the Sadducees, so now the Pharisees, the other religious group, they got together. And, and one of them, an expert in the law, or the Torah, or the, the Jewish instruction that God had given his people, he tested him with this question. He said, teacher, rabbi, Rabboni, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You ever had someone ask you a question and it actually wasn't a question at all, it was a trap? This is what this guy is doing. He's like, oh, I, I got a question for you, Jesus. 633, what's number one? Jesus being the, the master communicator already, or genius that he was, replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Would you join me as we pray? Jesus, speak to our hearts and remind us of your path and your way, which always leads to flourishing. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor, tell him it's going to be good and you can find your seats. Tell him it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You're just speaking in faith. You're like, I don't even know you. Just, you just say it. It helps it. helps it. I want to begin with a premise, and my premise is this. Everyone is a disciple of someone. Everyone is a disciple of someone. You can tell your neighbor, you're a disciple of someone. You're, you're a disciple of someone. I, we see this all the time, and, and we see it most uh, palpably, viscerally, with, with children. My wife and I have two children. Our son, Liam, our oldest, is almost five, about to go into kindergarten. Crazy, right? Some of you haven't seen him in a while. You're like, who's this little man child running around? That would be, that would be ours, all right? Liam is almost five, and um, he is not particularly shy when it comes to meeting his peers. We were at a park, I remember a few months ago, and he was running around, and he has like a little, a little phrase that he says to get in good with, with new kids, to meet new friends. He runs up, because he only runs. I don't know where he got the energy from, but he only runs, and so he runs up, and he says, hey, my name's Liam, what's your name? That's his little thing. Hey, my name's Liam. Well, you, you'll see him, you'll probably hear it. If you, you'll hear him running around, hey, my name's Liam, what's your name? That's what he does with kids to connect, and so, and so one day he was, he was doing his thing and he was running around the park and, and he was connecting with kids, but he added an additional segment to his traditional greeting and opening phrase. And I heard this a few times. It was, hey, my name's Liam and I stand for what's right. What's your name? And he kept doing it. Hey, my name's Liam and I stand for what's right. What's your name? I'm like, who's this Dud Dudley Dugan? So I was like, you know, but, but I was like, man, that's a cool kind of phrase. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor, man of gold. And uh, so I, I was feeling pretty good. I'm like, yeah, look at this kid. You know, like, man, I mean, all glory to God, you know, but who's his dad? Who's this kid's dad? Oh, that's right. 
is me, you know, and, and um, until, until the Lord's agent of humility in my wife, oh, oh sorry, my life, uh, I'm sorry about that, a little Freudian slip, uh, my wife came in and she said, babe, did you teach him that? I was like, no, I, 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 I didn't actually. She's like, I didn't teach him that either. And I realized that my son had been discipled, but it was not by us. It was by the Paw Patrol. Any parents know what the Paw Patrol is? The Paw Patrol lets him know, my name is Ryder, and I stand for what's right, or whatever. He, he was a Paw, and I realized I was taking all the credit for my little Paw Patrol disciple right here. And so shout out to Ryder and the Paw Patrol pups. They made it happen. Uh, my, my point, though, and why I need us to key in in this moment as we kick off this series is because you already are a disciple. If you are a breathing human being taking an oxygen right now in the room or online, and if you're not, that'd be weird. Greetings, earthlings. You are already a disciple. The question is not if, the question is whose. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, do you know? Do you know? You're already a disciple. Whose disciple are you? Do you know? You're already someone or some ones. You might be part TikTok influencer and part college professor, part Anderson Cooper and part Candace Owens, part Elon Musk and part Grant Cardone, part a little bit of your dad and a little bit of your stepmom. The question is really just whose disciple are you? Wouldn't it be nice if you could know just by like looking in the mirror? Like wouldn't, wouldn't that be great if we had like an AR app that we all had where it's just like, you know, a little window pop up, like poop, disciple of, and you could just, it could just kind of tell you, it would float around with you and you could know just by seeing it. Wouldn't it be nice, let's say if, we, if, if all of our discipleship influences had a color, let's just use this operating metaphor here. If you had to assign a color to your discipleship influence, you'd already have a color and probably a mixture of colors here. You'd be a little purple and, and a little red, maybe a little blue, a little pink, a little aqua, a little maroon to snaz it up. But to follow Jesus, to be his disciple, it means you have a color, and we call it green. We call it green. God's vision for his church, for his family, is a bunch of people from different backgrounds, from different walks of life, from different cultures and personalities who have all decided we will follow Jesus. I mean, look around. Look around the room right now. This is beautiful. It's like a little taste of, a little taste of heaven right here. All these different backgrounds. And the common denominator is we have decided that we're going to follow Jesus by his grace Three stopping points that I want to jump into as we dive into what it means to follow Jesus and to be his disciples. The first stopping point, if you're taking notes, is this. Disciples live green. Everybody say green. Disciples live green. If you're taking notes, follow along with me here. The mission, as I explained it, is to help ordinary people become passionate followers of Jesus. The, the way we shorten that even more succinctly is we want to be and we want to make Disciples. You say, so what exactly is a disciple? Because it's, it's not a term that we toss out in our everyday vernacular. And so I realize for some of us this might be review, but I think it's important that we all get on the same page and the common starting point here. Now, what we have in our culture, we don't have disciples per se. We have students. How many of you have ever been a student? All right, probably every single human being here, right? You, you've been a student. Now, a student goes into a student-teacher relationship with a very particular goal. What is a student looking to do? 
Well, if, if, if we were being idealistic, we'd say a student is looking to learn. A student is looking to grow. A student is looking to be informed and broaden their horizons. But we've all been students. What is a student looking to do? Pass the class. Y'all are honest. I like this crew. Pass the class. A student goes in, and they're not like, oh, I would love for my mind to be expanded right now. Student goes in, they're like, uh, teacher, 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 I, teacher, teacher, I have, teacher, teacher, I got to go. Is this on the exam? Right? Right? And if it's not, what are, all, the, all the teachers are like, oh, praise the Lord. All the, everyone's feeling a little conviction, right? And if the answer is no, what happens? Pencils down, notebooks closed, into space, zoning out, falling asleep. Because the fundamental goal of a student is information to pass the exam, and then we might remember some of it, maybe. But a disciple is fundamentally different. See, a disciple is not simply asking the question, what info do I need to get so I can pass the class? A disciple is asking this question, and by the way, Jesus came in the sovereignty of God into a first century Jewish culture where they had these, these people called disciples. They had this system called discipleship. They were called Talmudim, that's the Hebrew word, disciples. It was a thing. God's very smart. It's not haphazard. See, these disciples were not asking the question, what does my teacher know? The disciple had a different endgame entirely. Whereas a student is saying, how can I get the info? A disciple is saying, how can I become just like my teacher, just like my rabbi? A disciple is fundamentally, to say it a different way, whereas a student is looking fundamentally for information to pass the exam, a disciple is fundamentally looking for transformation to become more like their teacher. Are y'all tracking with me? This is important because when I use the term disciple, you're like, yeah, 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 Pastor John, I know. I'm a Christian. Ah, it's, not, it's not just that simple. James goes on this idea and he says, listen, if you're just talking about theory, if you're just talking about students, studies, if you're just talking about theoretical beliefs, guess who believes about Jesus? The demons. And they tremble. See, disciples don't just look for the content to pass the exam. Disciples say, I want to be just like that teacher. I want to pray like him. I want to walk like him. I want to talk like him. I want to live like him. I, my dream in life is to have a case of mistaken identity. Hey, Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry, John. That's you. It's every disciple's dream. That's what disciples are shooting for. So what is a disciple you guys understand the difference between disciple and just a student? You tracking with me here? So then the question is, what is a disciple of Jesus? Check out this video. Go make disciples. You realize that's the parting command by Jesus Christ to his apostles right before they're about to turn the world upside down. And yet for thousands of years all over the planet, Christians and churches have struggled to figure out how in the world to put that command into practice. Why aren't we better at this? That's a question that has plagued my soul for years. So what is a disciple and what does it mean to even make disciples? And if I actually figure that out, how in the world do I find time with my life to actually go and pull this off? I'm convinced it's not as complicated as we've made it out to be, but one thing is for sure. If you want to make disciples, you're going to have to be a disciple. And disciples are people who follow Jesus. They love 
they love God passionately, radically, holistically, and they love people with all of their lives. So let me break it down a little further. Let's start with this first command and the most important aspect of this, which is God. It all starts with being a worshiper, a God seeker. The first commandment actually is the first priority. Love the Lord your God. And it starts with a radical love for Him where we seek Him and we live out a lifestyle of worship. That's not just Sundays or the weekends. That's all week long. Let's make this the yellow arrow. But a true disciple doesn't stop here. Once we've connected with God, we can't help to get His heart. And God loves people. I mean, He loves them passionately. That's why once you get God's heart for this world, you start to look at the poor and the broken and the lost and the least, the destitute, the alone, and you look at them with new eyes. Out of our love for God stems an unavoidable passion for God's mission to go reach others. Disciples reach out to love and to serve, to touch the untouched, to reach the unreached, to minister to those that are broken and oppressed. But we can't stop there either, because once you've connected with God and once you've gotten on mission, you can't help but begin to live in community. It's really wild. People all over the world try to find community somewhere, but community isn't something you find by looking for it. It's the result of looking for God and experiencing mission with other people. Just like soldiers down in the trenches, when you've been living like this, you can't help but to draw close to other people. That's what the church is, and that's what disciples are. They're people that are not just talking about it, but they're living. They're living in the green worship, mission, and community. Now, why don't you go be a disciple, and why don't you go make disciples? Can you give a hand? That was good. Thank you, creative team. Does that help? Does that help in, in your understanding? A disciple is someone, it's the reason, by the way, we're called the Greenhouse Church. All we're trying to do is be disciples of Jesus and make disciples of Jesus. You're like, okay, great. What does that mean? I know a lot about Jesus. Well, it's not exactly that. Disciples do more than know in theory. They live out in praxis. Disciples are those who live in the green, this intersection of worship and mission and community, this, this middle ground of worship and mission and community. See, here's the, here's the thing. When I talk worship, I'm talking about this first commandment that Jesus articulates. Love the Lord your God. They said, teacher, which is the most important? Jesus says, I'll break it down. Love. Everybody say love. Love. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The first commandment is our first priority. We are fundamentally and first lovers of God. It starts with love. It begins with worship. And, uh, but what happens when you start with worship is you ultimately and inevitably, when you fall in love with someone, you start to love what they love. And so worship leads us into mission. You realize, man, God has a heart for the lost and the least and the broken and the alone and the destitute. And so you're not just fine saying, praise you, Father, I'm with you now. You're not just good doing some kumbaya. I don't know what that means. But you're not just fine staying there with God. You're like, I got to care about what God cares about. And so worship leads to mission. And then as you begin to engage in the brokenness of this world, as you start to look at the darkness around with human trafficking and, and prejudice and hatred and, and, and sin and, and lostness, and you realize, man, there's too much. I, I can't do this on my own. And so worship leads to mission, and mission, when engaged, leads us to community. You realize, I got to get around some other people trying to move in the same direction. I need to get around people who are going to encourage me and challenge me and pray for me and strengthen me in the ways that I need because I can't do this on my own. And guess what? If you get around the right community, guess who they point you back to? God. And the cycle 
continues. See, here's the problem though. We are all hardwired by God to default more strongly towards one arrow or the other. And if we're not careful, we'll assume that that is the most important one. Let me give you an example. How many of you are worship people? You're like, on the way here, man, Pastor John, let me get some of this. I start talking about worship. You're like, exactly. And so you get in microchurch, and you're like, hey, guys. And, and people you know, get together in microchurch, and it's like people are hanging out, and they're connecting, and you're there. Community people, one time, any of the community people, you're like, man, that's my thing. I love connecting. All right, all right, I see it. So you're, you're there. You're a community person. You're there in microchurch with the, the smaller settings of our gathering here at Greenhouse where you can grow and, and, and find a place to belong. And so you're there at Microchurch, everyone's talking, people are connecting, people are sharing their heart, there's deep encouragement, but you're a worship person, so you look around, you're like, oh, this is cute, this is cute, no, this is great, this is great, no, 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 this is perfect, let's just talk, we'll leave God outside, how about we do that, we'll leave God outside, and we'll all have our little, we'll have our little huddle, and we'll become best friends, and, but does anyone care about God? I'm just saying, does anyone care about, are we going to open the Bible? Are we going to worship a little bit? We're going, and so worship people are like, community, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and then you, so you're like, okay, okay. You feel guilt tripped into it. So you're like, all right. And so you, you start praying and singing. And then you get the mission person. They're just sitting there tapping their feet. No, no let's sing. Let's sing some more. No, 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 no. People, people are dying of starvation. But let's sing. This is a great idea. No, this is awesome. No, no, no. No, my neighbor doesn't know Jesus. And they're, they're depressed. And they were talking about suicide. But I think we should sing another chorus, Pastor John. That sounds great. Let's do that. And so however God has uniquely wired you, you assume that your arrow of strength is the only one that matters. And the reality that we learn from the scriptures is that disciples don't live yellow and disciples don't live blue. Disciples live smack dab in the middle where yellow and blue meet. Disciples live green. Disciples live green. You're like, Pastor John, there, there's so much there. There's so much there. Where do we even start? Where do we even begin? I'm glad I asked you to ask me that question again because Jesus told us. Point number one, disciples of Jesus live green. But point number two, green starts with yellow. Everybody say yellow. If you say it in Spanish, it would be amarillo. Or if you want to say it with the sha, 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 Argentina, amarillo. No, my wife is just shaking her head. Jesus said, here's where it begins. This is where you got to kick off. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, if we are going to follow Jesus in the way that he articulated explicitly, it means that we are going to follow him, and it must start with and be fueled by love. Everybody say love. Love. It starts with love. Jesus says it is the first and it is the greatest commandment. He did answer that question. My prayer, our prayer, our dream is that we would have a bunch of disciples of Jesus who say, listen, Pastor John, I'm going to be engaged in mission and I'm going to do it with other people in community, but it will start with worship. The first command, the greatest commandment, like Jesus said, will become my first priority. I will love God. By the way, it's very hard to love someone deeply when you don't spend time with them intentionally. Ooh, Shondo, that'll cut. Here's a question. Why, why? is this the first and greatest commandment? Jesus said it is, so there's not much open to debate there, but why is it the first and greatest commandment? Uh, let me give you an analogy. Let me give you a sort of a metaphor here. Have you ever had someone who helped you, but it wasn't because they actually cared? 
You ever been in that spot before? My wife is absolutely amazing and she has such a heart to help people that we deal very differently with salespeople. <laughs> she knows where I'm going with this story. Uh, we, my wife, my wife uh, we, I came home one day and she's like, hey, listen, we got this appointment. And I was like, oh, what appointment do we have? She's like, well, I met this guy, he was really great and they have this child safety kit that, that he's gonna give us. I was like, oh, she's laughing right now, cracking up because she knows. She's like, this child safety kit and, and we, we just had our first son, Liam. And so, you know, for any... You remember first-time parents? You're like terrified of everything. You're like, I need, and she's like, we need this child safety kit. And I was like, child safety kit? I was like, he just showed up at the door trying to help us out with a child safety kit? She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, God, I know where this is going. So they come in and sit down, and they don't start talking about child safety kit. They start talking about, do you need new impact windows and shutters for your house? Would you like a new roof? We have a great program. I'm like, oh, man. And, and they, were, they, were, they were trying their best, but I'm like, no, we don't, we don't need any of that. Thank you very much, sir. Um, so he just kept going. And so I, I kind of went back and forth, and I was not a jerk about it, but I was like, hey, thank you guys so much. We're done. Can you just give my wife the child safety kit? But Nancy big-hearted Nancy was like, no, 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 I want to, and so she, I just left. I was like, I'm going to go do the dishes. You know, I already feel like this is a little taste of hell on earth, so might as well get the other taste of hell on earth. Y'all know how I feel about dishes, and so I start doing the dishes. They're in there for like another 45 minutes going hard on that. Well, what about if we gave you this cost for the impact windows that we don't need? Well, what if we gave you this? And she's just sitting there, and at the very end, she stuck around for this child safety kit. I kid you not, I think it was put together by a child. It was a Ziploc doggy bag with a piece of paper that said, write down your child's name and social security number. That was a child safety kit. I was like, Nancy's like, well, I got it. I was like, oh, Lord, have mercy. And it was very clear. They, were, they did not come to our home to help us out with our children's safety. They were just trying to make a sale, right? Anybody ever been there before? The bait and switch struggle is real. If you sell that, those things, I love you very much. But don't do that. A disciple's goal a disciple, here, here's what I'm trying to make the correlation. A disciple's goal is green. Where disciples are shooting is green. It's worship and mission and community. It's green. Check this. But if it doesn't start with love, Jesus said, it will not go green. It will turn gross. Because we all feel someone when they're trying to pitch us something and they don't care about us. What happens if you step or try to step into mission and community and you have not love, someone feels it. Oh, I'm just a project. I'm just a notch on their spiritual belt. I'm just, by the way, if you're here and a friend invited you, it's not because you're that to them, it's because they actually love you. How do you know? Because we have a bunch of disciples in this room. But this is the danger. If it does not start with love, if the genesis, if the origin is not love, then what is it? It's, it's meeting a quota. It's being religious. It's doing it because we have to. It's dead religion. And like the Pharisees of old, friends need to remind you of this. The masses are not as offended by the content of our doctrine, but the posture of our hearts. Jesus said, you want to know the first and the greatest? You want to know the starting point? If you're going to follow me, Jesus said, love, love. By the way, we're finding this from people that's, that do not yet follow Jesus. Barna, and the, Barna who's one of the leading uh, sociologists, I statted them, quoted their stat before. Um, they, they, during the midst of this pandemic season, they've always run these polls. And so they ran a poll from people that did not consider themselves religious or churchgoers or, or faith people at all. 
And they, and they said, hey, how many of you, you know, that don't self-identify as religious or Christian have, have engaged in some sort of faith during the midst of the pandemic? It was high 80% of people. You're, maybe you're watching right now and you're in that boat and we're thrilled that you're here investigating God and faith and spirituality. 80, I think it was 87% of people that did not identify said that they had checked out some sort of a church service online during the midst of the pandemic. It's wild, right? Like our friends that are like, I'm not sure about Jesus, I'm not sure about religion, but God knows I can use something. I'll give anything a shot at this point. That's where people were at, right? We can all kind of connect with that emotion of desperation. And so what they found when they went back and asked a follow-up question to these same people, mind you, not faith people, not religious people, don't identify with any formal religion. They said, what if you were to have a conversation with someone about faith, about God, would you be open? They said, yes. They said, what's the number one thing you're looking for? This is fascinating. The number one thing that they responded when polled, the thing that mattered most to people who wanted to explore faith is that they could find someone who was willing to listen without judgment. The number one thing said, I'm open to a conversation about faith. I'm open to a conversation about God. I'm open to a conversation about Jesus, but I want to have it with someone who is willing to listen without judgment. So Barna did the brave thing. They asked a follow-up question. Well, how many Christians do you know like that? 34% said yes, I know one. The overwhelming majority said, I don't know any Christian that's like that. What are they articulating at the heart level? Exactly what Jesus said, the first and the greatest commandment is love. It's love. Jesus said, later on, they're gonna know you're my disciples by the way you what? Love, disciples of Jesus at our core, I need to remind us, we are not activists or pacifists, or strategists, we are lovers at the core. We love God and we love people. We are called to be known by love. Love for God and genuine, deep God's love for people. Amen? Amen. You could give a hand clap to that. I thought, I thought it was a little bit better than y'all responded, but that's okay, that's okay, I still love you. Most of us will probably agree with this, right? Most of us are like, duh, Pastor John, can we go home early? I'm ready to have lunch, right? But, but the problem, uh, don't, not so fast, the, the problem is that if the greatest commandment according to Jesus is love, love for God and love for people, it is important to understand exactly what that means. Or to say it another way, it begs a question according to God, who gets to set the definitions, what is love? Turn to your neighbor and say, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. I, dad jokes. I couldn't help it. Point number three. Point number one, disciples live green. Point number two, green starts with yellow. Point number three, disciples use God's definitions. Disciples use God's definitions. Let me say it like this. Definitions matter. Amen? I, I love, I love my family. We got a little Boricua, Jew Rican family. My wife's family is Puerto Rican. I'm from a Jewish background, so we got little Jew Rican babies. Um, but I have learned with Abuela, especially, we got Nana, my mom, she's here in the front. Love you, mom. And then we got Abuela. I have learned that, that every culture has its own unique nuances with specific terms. Namely, right now, I want to talk about the term on my way. Woo! Now I went to meddling. On my way. Now, now, now this, this is not restricted to cultures alone, and it might not even be a cultural thing. It just might be a personal thing. But I have found in the beautiful cultures of our world that we mean very different things by the term on my way. In fact, there are subsets of people who mean very different things by what I feel is a very explicit and specific term on my way. I have learned that on my way could mean 
I am getting in the car in the process of being on my way. I have learned that on my way could mean I am actually driving and hence literally on my way. I have also learned that on my way could mean in my heart of hearts I am actually on my way but I am in fact not even in my car or fully dressed on my way. Does anybody have a friend like that? Right? Ali, I'm, I'm praying that this motivates you in repentance, but um, definitions matter immensely. I'm trying to help somebody right now. All y'all on my way people. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. I'm on my way. Coming back quick. <laughs> Reap what you sow. Hey, hey, hey. Jesus said the greatest commandment is what? Love. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it must be answered then, what is God's definition of love? I'm on my way. Well, let's get specific with what we're talking about here, God. Here's what I want to get specific about. Love biblically. Love according to God, who is love, who sets the definitions. Love for God and for people biblically is action, not emotion. This is vital. Love, according to God, who does not lie, is action, not emotion. Verse 37, Matthew 22, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is a Hebrew idiom. What Jesus is saying is love the Lord your God with every bit of every single part of you. He's not saying, man, have a, when you have the butterflies, you're like, oh, Jesus, Kayla just sung my song. I love you. And then you get on traffic, you're like, Burr! like Jesus says, the love, the love is deep. It's every bit of all of the, the internals of you. It's, it's your soul, it's your emotions, but it's not just the surface level stuff. It's the deep, definable love. Why? Because it's so deeply within that it can't help but move on the outside and it shows in the way that you live. Emotions are just one part of it, but God says, no, 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 that's not it. I, I want it all. I want your love. The apostle John, John the disciple, he, he's, a, he's a fantastic biblical author on the topic of love. He's like the love guy of the New Testament. He, he was called John the Beloved, and he wrote, writes a book called First John all about love. This is how John said it. He said, we love, First John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. Now, check this out. Whew, he comes swinging. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, what does he say? Liar. Is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. John says, let me tell you, you can say whatever you want. I can look at your life and tell you if you really love. Deeply challenging and thoroughly convicting. And John is not isolated in his approach to this biblical term. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul picks up this same idea. He says, love, well, let me tell you about love. Love, it's, it's patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Guess how many emotions are up on that list? Give you a clue. None. They're all actions that you do. They're all things that you manifest. Paul's point is John's point is Jesus' point, which is love is not some surface level emotion. Love is a demonstrable action. Yes. 
but also ouch, right? Ouch. You say, Pastor John, to, 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 to treat people like this, to live this out in any sort of consistent way, it is going to take a miracle from God. Exactly. Exactly. This isn't just some surface level, weak, shallow, worldly version of love. Oh, man, I love that person until they cross me, and then they're dead. Right? I love that person when they reshared my post, but you didn't even like my post? Dead. God said, that's not love. That's called self-interest. Love is different. Love is different. See, if we live this out, it is as revolutionary as it gets. Here's the application. Every time we approach the scriptures as followers of Jesus, we want to ask two questions. Number one, God, what are you saying to me? And number two, what do you want me to do about it? Because disciples are not just looking for information. They are looking for transformation. We want to grow. We want to move. We want to change. We want to morph. Amen? God, what do you want me to do about this? I want us to learn, and I'm praying that this series is incredibly and immensely helpful. I want us to learn to live green. I want us to learn. Anybody else want to do that? Anybody else? Like, I, John, I, I'm done with religious jargon. I'm done with religious smack talk. Like, I really want to follow Jesus. I want to increasingly get people to look at me and say, man, you kind of remind me of someone I've heard about before. You kind of remind me of someone I've read about before. You kind of remind me of someone that I've talked to before. Who? Jesus. By the way, that's not irreverent. That's called godliness. That's called being a disciple. I want us to learn to live green. Jesus said it starts with loving God, and then you allow that love to overflow into loving those made in God's image, every single human being on the planet. I want us to make the first commandment our first priority, that we would love the Lord our God. You say, Pastor John, I, it's actually not my, my, my challenge actually isn't worship. See, you, you see, my challenge is, is actually um, that, that mission arrow there to the right. Like, that's my issue, Pastor John. Like, I love God, but man, it's just really hard to love people because people are punks sometimes. And can I challenge you for a moment? Because if you have a mission issue, it is fundamentally not a mission issue. It is a worship issue. It's a love issue. Yeah, Pastor John, how can you say that? Because when you truly and deeply love you learn to love the things that they love. And God says, you know who I love? Jesus said, the son of man, he came to seek and save who? Those who were lost. Jesus says, if you really love me, if you want to give me the greatest gift, my wife, she likes, she likes Diet Coke. I think Diet Coke is from the devil. But you know what I like? Gatorade. Because it came from heaven through the Florida Gators. That's what I, I like, Gatorade. If my, my wife does not particularly enjoy Gatorade. But if she wants to love me, guess what she's bringing to the potluck? Gator. My son calls it dad, dad juice. That's how much I like it. Dad, dad juice. Because when you love someone, you learn to love who they love. You're like, Pastor John, man, mission, I'm all about that. I'm kind of an activist. I'm doing stuff and, and amen, God worship. But man, community. John, Pastor John, have you met a Christian? Have you met a church person? I'm like, well, look in the mirror, you know. And, and, but, but like, man, it's people. But guess what? If you have a community issue, it's not fundamentally a community issue. Guess what it is? It's a love issue. How, why, why do I say that? Because God said... Behold, how good, how pleasant it is in the Psalms when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. He goes on to give this Hebrew idiom and basically says, it's the best thing ever. To who? To God. See, and because we love God and because he loves community so much, guess what we desire? Maybe it's just a desire. We desire to desire to have a heart for community. 
But it starts with love. Because he loves it, we decide we want to love it as well. I'm praying that we would make a decision this very morning. Worship team, you can come up. I'm about ready to close it here and we'll sing a final chorus. I'm praying that that we would decide today, I will love the Lord. I will be a worshiper first. I've tossed this out all the time, Greenhouse. My dream is that we would have a whole crew of people who commit to say, I'm gonna do what Jesus talked about, not in theory and not in my belief, but in my actual real life. I am going to seek God first. Seek first the kingdom of God. We're like, amen, amen, amen. But Jesus is like, no, no, but for real. Like my disciples in the garden, they fell asleep. But I was like, no, no, actually seek first. Like really pray. I'm praying that we have a bunch of people that say, man, I'm gonna wake up early and I'm gonna seek the face of God. There's, there's, there's some specific tangibles that we'd love to put in your hands as tools to help you in your discipleship journey. Maybe you're like, Pastor John, I'm in. Live green. You're going to unpack this throughout the course of this series. I want to do this. If you're here and you'd like to take steps forward in your discipleship journey, we actually created a discipleship assessment. Pastor Matt, one of my best friends up there in Gainesville, he's our microchurch pastor in Gainesville. He created an online diagnostic tool. It's not meant to be a catch-all. You don't read it like the Bible. You read it like a flawed tool, but a helpful one that can help you get an accurate sense of where you're at. It, disclaimer, it will be quite humbling because it's very all-encompassing, but it gives you a robust framework for how to identify where you're at and how to move forward into maturity as a disciple living in the green. Maybe you're like, you know what, I'm gonna take that, Pastor John. It's $5, covers the hosting cost. I'm gonna take that, Pastor John. I'm gonna invite my microchurch leader to do it with. I'm gonna invite a few guys or a few girls in my microchurch to do it with me. And this summer, man, we're going to grow. You should have gotten one of these cards on your way in. Can you take this card and wave it in the air like you just do care if you guys grab this? If you did not, you can grab it on the way out because apparently nobody did, okay? On the way out, we'll have these available. Thank you, Nancy, so much for that. But listen, on the homepage of our website, you can just Google Greenhouse South Florida. On the homepage of our website, there's a button right at the front that talks about summer discipleship. We got a bunch of different classes, ranging from how do I read and study the Bible to how do I handle my finances in a godly way to, to, to how do I learn more about this Jewish stuff, Talmudim, and all these Hebrew words. And you guys talk about all this Jewish stuff and, and enriches the view of Jesus and the gospel. Like all these different classes. This week, I'm gonna bump this week, this evening, go on the website. All the list of the classes are there and ask God, Lord, which one do you want me to take? Maybe you're supposed to take two. Maybe you're gonna take three. I don't know how much time you have. You say, I'm gonna grow. I'm gonna close with this story. You say, Pastor John, amen. You're up there sweating and spitting and I'm glad they got room for the splash zone, but, but people are brutal. People are merciless. If I'm really thinking about my life, like, I can think of very few people who I feel deserve this kind of deep and all-encompassing love, which is why it all starts with God. I was reminded this week of a, of a story. It was the, uh, the Miami Dolphins head coach. There's no football now, so I have to just think about football. That's how it works. And um, so I was thinking about football. Brian Flores is our new head coach. He started in 2019. And and last year, our quarterback, if you remember Fitz, we got a picture of his big old beard here. Crazy dude, there he is, Fitz Magic. He was just, I mean, he was just playing his guts out, diving for first downs. They, they, Tua was in, Tua was out, and he was just weathering it with a great attitude. And he was just being bizarrely, I don't know, having a great attitude, uncommonly great attitude. And, 
And so one reporter asked him, they said, man, what's up? Like, you're just all in on this team. Like, what's the deal? He said, it's not just that I'm all in on this team. He said, I'm all in on this coach. And he began to recount the story that, that his mom had been diagnosed with cancer and, and towards the very beginning of the 2020 season, it got very bad to the point that it was clear she was not gonna live much longer. And, and it was at the, 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 the crux of the training camp period where you're trying to get synergy with your team and you're trying to build chemistry and, and all these things. And his mom is in another place and she's dying. This is a true story. She's dying. And so he's like, ah. And, and he said, and Coach Flo came to me and he said, hey, listen, my mom passed of cancer. I know what this is like. He said, that's more important than anything else. You're a professional. You'll get your football stuff done. Go and be with your family. He got a little teary-eyed. He said, man, people can talk all they want. This is family. All these sports programs use all this great language. He said, that's family. He said, I'll do whatever it takes for Coach Flo. And I started thinking about that when it comes to this idea of loving God because what ultimately happened with our quarterback Fitz is that because of something that happened to him behind the scenes, he was able to pour his life out in devotion for his coach. And at the end of the day, friends, our story and the gospel is exactly this. Because of the love of God that was manifested to us, we are able to put up with people when they act a mess. We are able to give a love that is sacrificial because we have experienced a love that is so absolutely incredible and life-transforming. It moves us to worship, which moves us to mission, which sends us into community, and the right community fuels us right back to worship. To say it like 1 John, we love because he first loved us. And if you're here this morning and you're getting a little sense of your living in the green, you're like, man, Pastor John, I'm pretty yellow, or man, I'm very blue, or man, I don't know if I even have any colors on the index at all. I'm not even sure where I'm at with Jesus. Friend, can I let you know we love when it's sacrificial and when it's hard and when it's challenging because he loved us first. When we didn't deserve it. And this love fuels and empowers us forward. Let's pray. You can bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment of quiet and privacy between you and God. Jesus, we love you. You're here. You're moving. Would you remind us of your love? Maybe you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Maybe you got invited by a friend or a coworker or a family member and, and something is stirring in your heart. Friend, I need to let you know that Jesus is who you have been longing for. God's love is what you've been looking for, maybe in all of the wrong places, unable to find it in any sort of lasting way. Friend, he loves you. How do I know? Because he sent his son Jesus to pay the price that your sins deserve so you would not stand guilty but innocent before a righteous God. Friend, you are so loved by God. It's crazy. And I want to give you an opportunity right now, if you're in the room, if you're watching online, to recognize and respond to the love of God. We truly learn to love once we realize that we have been loved first. Wherever you're at, in the room or online, if you know you need to respond to the love of God, I just want you to look to heaven and say these words, I receive it. I receive it. Scripture says anyone who receives it, he gives the right to become children of God. Even right there in your chair, right there in your living room, you can utter a, a simple heartfelt prayer to God. Something along the lines of, Jesus, I've blown it. I've messed up. 
I've done wrong. I know it. I know it. And you still love me. Well, I want to love you back. Forgive me. Change me. Teach me what it means to be your disciple. I don't want to just be a student. I don't want to just know the, the right answers to pass the exam. I want to become like you. Maybe you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus. And, and this morning you need to commit afresh to green, to truly being a disciple. It starts with a recommitment to yellow, to being a worshiper, to being someone who seeks God first. If that's you, I want you to look up and say, God, you got me. I'm in. I'm in. Here's how we're going to close. You can stand to your feet if you're here in the room. And if I can get our prayer partners up here to line the front. We're going to close in this final chorus. You can all stand. We're going to close in this final chorus. If you're online, we would love to pray with you, walk you through next steps in your faith journey. You can request prayer right there in the chat. You can text Jesus to the number on the screen. We'd love to reach out to you. If you're here in the room, as soon as we begin to sing, if something's stirred in your heart, if you want to become a follower of Jesus and you have questions, if you know God is working, you're like, man, I, I just need prayer. I just need some encouragement. We've got an incredible team of leaders up here. They just, they're real, ordinary, down-to-earth people who just love Jesus and would love to encourage you, pray with you walk you through any questions you have in regard to God, faith, and spirituality. So as soon as we start to sing, you're welcome to come forward. Let's sing together.